Oh, stop it. This is Talking Audio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside a Friday edition of the Tall Can Audio Podcast from an icy, sloppy nation's capital. Matt Robinson here with you as we connect with our friend Lever Sage, who's continuing his European adventure. I guess he might be in somebody's nation's capital. He's not in this one, and I'm quite certain it's a lot nicer. What's happening, man? You know, first of all, I'm glad you told me it's Friday. No idea what day it is, which is <laughs> you know a pretty pretty good way to start. And yeah, I was telling you before. Look, I'm glad to be talking to you. Nobody wants to hear how great it is here and what the weather's like with everything that's going back in Ottawa. And I can tell you, I didn't want to hear those stories when I was in Ottawa. It's like, if you want to go on a vacation and you want to do this, I'm really happy. For, like, I'm genuinely happy for you, but don't tell me about it. So I don't want to be the guy. Like, if I have a, a story, I know that I actually saw a couple of the responses to the uh, last yeah podcast that you and i did and um it, it was flattering because a couple of people had said you know i kind of took them through all of the emotions of the story <laughs> and i'm telling you i only took you through about 25 percent of what i went through like it was it was insane uh but since then I well, can, before you move you off that because scotty yeah. mack was on the show uh the earlier this week and he's normally here to take a couple hard runs at you but even right. he kind of went that is a fucking nightmare, right? Like <laughs> sympathy at this point for Lever's age. Scott MacArthur giving me sympathy. Yes. The world is turning <laughs> and left me here, says Weezer. Um, wow. You know what? Uh, I'm floored. Yeah, because in the best of times, that ain't Scott. So uh, God love him. Yeah. Uh, good, good friend of mine, but not – not the most sympathetic guy I've ever <laughs> right, talked to. Right. So uh, thanks for telling me that. I will make sure to bring that up with him. <laughs> um, but you uh, you got to at least tell us where you are now. You what Last we chatted with you, um, you were just headed <laughs> out. You were leaving Rome and uh, or leaving Italy. Where are you now? Yeah. Where have we found you? Yeah, the last time you talked to me, literally the cleaning lady in a hotel in, well, Technically, like it's not in Rome, it's in Fumancino, but um, you know where the airport is in Rome, and and you know just getting on a flight, and yeah, flew to Lisbon, Portugal, and spent two nights in downtown Lisbon. It's hard because when you're on vacation or you're not going for work or you're not living there full time you, you sometimes have a different viewpoint of what the city is all about it's you can't get kind of the the, the bones of a city in two days but might be the nicest city i've ever been to in my life wow. uh yeah like it was just it was magnificent <laughs> um from getting there and looking for something to eat and getting um, a Sagres beer. So they only really have two types of beer here. Uh, now they have other types, but much less than Italy and other countries and, and different things. You're either getting a Superbach or a Sagres. Okay. Like, that's, that's it. And they're not really that much different. One, <laughs> they're both lagers. They're both kind of normal tasting beers. One's got a little bit of a, I don't know, a, call it a citrusy pepper like at the end of it, which mm -hmm. I'm excited to to hear what you're drinking this morning. Um, <laughs> it's uh, water it's not, for sage. It's, it's water. It's not, more, it's not morning where I am. No, it certainly is here. Yeah, it's not. Um, I do appreciate you though. It's not seven a.m. this time. Uh, but it is yeah. still morning. Well, so I'm, I'm trying. To, I'm I'm trying to just get you in different. See what Matt Robinson's like at different <laughs> points of the day, right? Okay. Like, what's he like at night? What's he like at seven a.m.? How he, now? How, it's at what, what point what in the morning like can I convince? It's uh, yeah. What is it time here? Like, yeah. It's, at what point in the morning can we actually get Matt to have a beer? It's still too early to be. Uh, <laughs> it's a weekday morning. Yeah, no beers today. Okay. Um... <laughs> That it's should be a relief almost, to people, to be honest with it's you. It's almost four o'clock here, so it's a five-hour difference, not six. Okay, uh, like like it was previously. So right. I, I've got back an hour, but 
went into um, a very, very uh, elevated is what I would call it, McDonald's uh, in downtown Lisbon. Way to and, sample the local cuisine. Well, it was late. It was Friday night. And weirdly, things were like it was very vibrant. But by the time you get out of the hotel and you kind of look for something to eat, um, a lot of things were shutting down at 11 o'clock. Uh, so that seems to be kind of a European thing. Eh? They, they tended to shut yeah. down a little earlier than we do. Yeah. So but the McDonald's was open until 12 and it was right there sort of in the middle of the square. But you could go in and get a Sagres lager and a burger. And I think it came to 310. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to have six more. Yeah, um, that'll work. I, uh, <laughs> but I was, um, yeah, so Lisbon, a couple days, absolutely magnificent city. Went down to the main square along the water where kind of the, the parliament and the government buildings there. It's it's just magnificent. I sent you a picture of having a beer in what was called the Beer Museum. And you would think if you go into a place that's got a patio in the main square called the Beer Museum, it would have like a million beers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would. You had a choice. You had a choice of blonde, amber, or dark, and I don't even know what kind. Like they didn't have the <laughs> the brand name. It was like you're either getting blonde. Well, or you amber said or dark. everywhere else there's only two, so here three. Like that's a lot of yeah. beers in a Portuguese establishment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but this this glass, like upside down beer bottle in this plastic glass, and you're kind of sitting on the patio going, "This is." Just incredible. Um, walked in later after dinner to a pastry shop just beside the hotel. And uh, and it's much more English-speaking in Portugal. You're finding a lot of Canadians, a lot of Americans, a lot – well, no, I shouldn't say a lot of Americans, a lot of British people. Um, but I walked into this pastry shop. And right beside the hotel, and because Portugal makes these Portuguese custard tarts, it's their thing. It's one of their tried and joys. It's like, if you come here, you have to get a Portuguese custard tart. Okay. And so this ba- everyone's saying, go to this bakery, go to this bakery, and it's right beside the hotel. So go in, and they're just there's a lineup for these tarts. And... There's a there's a kid ahead of me, and I say kid, I'm 20 or 21 or whatever. And he's with with a bunch of friends, and they're talking, and I hear them, and they sound very American. They got that kind of southern drawl to them, and sure. or you know at least you know I could tell right away they were from the U.S. And so they're talking, and they're having this debate, and I'm there. They don't know that even I'm English speaking or anything. And they're sitting there and they're having this debate on whether to get ice cream on this tart. And finally, one of the guys turns around and the girl in front of her says, well, WWLD. And and I'm like, WWLD. And she said it like it was like this norm, a part of their vocabulary. Yeah. Like WWLD, man. Like, figure it out. Who's L? What would somebody do? Yeah. Lamar Jackson. Really? Yeah. So I had to ask because I just can't let that go and not. (laughs) But I need to know who L is as well. Yeah. And if they're American, I just need to know who it is. And they're all Baltimore Raven fans. And um, what would Lamar do, man? (laughs) <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, is this part? So I get into the discussion with the guy, and he's act, they're actually over on a a, um, a semester from in Barcelona. They're doing a, a semester of school in Barcelona. This group of, of kids, and we're visiting Lisbon for the weekend or wh- whatever they were doing. Okay. And um, but they're all from Virginia and Maryland and uh, around there, and they love the Baltimore Ravens. And we had a big discussion about it. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of part of what how we all talk and Lamar Jackson's just, he's, he's a man and the, the, he's, <laughs> he's the guy. I'm like, okay, well, got to ask myself for the rest of the trip. What would Lamar do? Yeah. Well, here we'll, we'll find um, out Sunday. Well, 
I got ice cream on the tart okay. because the, because they were doing it. Yeah. Because after the girl asked, what would Lamar do? And he's like, well, Lamar would get, I guess he must've said that. Cause he's like, I'll have ice cream on it. The most decadent <laughs> dessert I've ever had. Like, I, I, I can't <laughs> believe it. It was as good as it was. Like it was just incredible because yeah, Lamar Jackson, he told me to do it. So, um, yeah, drove down to the Algarve after that. And, um, yeah, I don't need to tell you that it's been about 21 and sunny every single day without a drop of rain. And, um, right on the beach boat. Yeah. About four, just 400, 500 meters away, but down you walk down and all of a sudden you're kind of like, where are the beaches? Like you can't really see them. And I thought they were closer, like the map and the people saying that they were closer and you walk past this little thing and all of a sudden you're at the top of a cliff that's probably a hundred, 150 feet. And you look down and you're like, Oh, there's the beach. Oh, there's another beach around that cliff. And there's another <laughs> beach around that cliff. And some of the most incredible scenery I, I, I've just ever seen. Um, so it's been tough. It's been tough. Yeah. Sounds last, like you're really uh, roughing it over there. Well, took a took a day away from the beach yesterday to to tour a castle. Nice. Okay. We don't have I mean, a lot of those how, over here. Well, I was like, how many how many chances do you get to tour a castle? Right. Right. And went to the local Portuguese uh, establishment. Uh, as a bunch of people here in Portugal said that if you want a little authentic Portuguese cuisine, you need to go to this. Um, restaurant it's just off the beaten path but you gotta go i'm like yeah because it's pretty i would say it's pretty touristy like it's cool it's different it's not florida or it's not but you can go down the road and burger king is there and um a right, couple like, other like a lot of touristy stuff but less tacky than what we would see here in north america right correct yeah. and and all of those places seem a little bit more elevated right like it's it's not just a place for kids to hang out or like adults would never eat there or, um, and not, not quite like that, but went to a traditional kind of, you need your Portuguese puri puri chicken. You got to go to this place and went to the place uh, last night. And it was one of the biggest open rooms I've ever seen. Like just this, it almost looked like, a um, Oh, that's the word I'm looking for. You know, like just a huge, huge like a room. You can hardly, <laughs> yeah, like you can hardly see to the end of it, and it's just tables. <laughs> and you're like, this can't be it. As soon as you sit down, it like the wave starts coming. Like they close from three to six, and six uh, thirty, the waves are coming in, and there's like one or two things on the menu. It's like a half chicken, a full chicken, chicken something, and like I think you can get veal. But you, everyone comes and gets the same thing. Like it, yeah, well, that's the only way you're going to be able to do it in that much volume, right? Is to only have a couple of options. Anyway, um, incredible chicken. Just like just getting a lot out of the uh, Portuguese week so far. So um, yeah, incredible meal there. And then went to an establishment that was a pretty English establishment, a little pub called the Water Dog, and. Uh, they had all the English soccer games listed on the board and um going to go back there, I think. Met some Canadians who are now living in Portugal and uh, we're going to meet up and watch Chiefs and Ravens. There you go. It's a late 8 o'clock start. I don't know, with the five-hour time difference, the 49ers-Lions game won't start until about 11.30, 11.45. Uh, I can tell you what um, – Staying up till three in the morning sounds really appetizing, but <laughs> when Dan Campbell and his Lions are crying at the podium about how proud he is of his guys after they got absolutely goddamn shellacked 45 to 12 by the San Francisco 49ers, and I'm listening to Dan Campbell tell me how proud he is and how <laughs> how gritty this team is, and we took another step because we got to the NFC Championship game. Actually, Dan, you didn't. Uh, your team's beat a couple of absolute pancake Tampa Bay Buccaneer and LA Rams teams that had no business even being in the playoffs. So when you get hammered this weekend 
by the San Francisco 49ers. And then you tell me how great your team is and you're crying because you love these guys and these guys love Detroit and they're just part of the town. Like, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Sorry, Dan and the rest of the Lions. The guys who tell you that they love Detroit actually don't. Uh, they, they don't. A couple of them do. But the rest of them don't. But they say it because it sounds really good and they're one of the people of the hardworking people of Detroit. Well, when they let you down, Lions fan, and lose by 30 on the weekend and you think that you've taken a step, you haven't taken any steps to get to where you need to be. You're nowhere close to the vicinity of the 49ers or, quite frankly, the Cowboys and the Eagles and some of the other teams. You, you just got lucky in the playoffs with your draw. So good for you. Um, good for you getting there, and good luck this weekend. I'm not staying up till 3 in the morning to listen to Dan Campbell cry. Hi, Matt. You already into the Super Bach over there? Or, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Super Bowl? Super Bach? No. Yeah, no. I actually prefer the Sagres. And okay. No, I have not. But the other, the other weird thing, too, here is, and I guess I appreciate it because it doesn't let you drink that much, but I bought a case. So a case of this Super Bach, it was 24 beers, but the beers are like the mini beers. And like when I say mini, I mean like, I don't know, half of half of a, a 355. Yeah. yeah, half of a normal beer bottle at home. They look like I would, they look like a shot. Yeah, I got no time like, for that. Yeah, I, but I, I was so intrigued. And it, I think 24 beers of the minis, I think it was nine euro or something. And I'm like, I, I just got to get it <laughs> because I, because I want to crack open that my glass is twice as big as my beer. <laughs> right. Like I guess it better not it, be any more than nine. I'm only getting half a beer out of each one. Yeah, I know. But still, if, if I got a full beer and it was 18 euro for 24 beers, that's still not that bad. Um. <laughs> they do that. Yeah, they do that countdown every year. Not a countdown, but like there's a list every year that gets released. You've probably seen it at some point. That's like, yeah, which countries drink the most beer per capita. And it sounds like Portugal ain't ranking anywhere. Uh, they would no. be the Detroit Lions of the oh. uh, of the beer rankings. <laughs> I think they really like their Superbach and Sagres. Okay. Again, went to the Portuguese restaurant last night, and you had a choice of a, what they call a small beer or a national beer. Ooh. And I'm like, well, what is the difference? And the small beer is like uh, it was 160 at the restaurant. And it's like, I think, a mini. Mm -hmm. They don't bring you the mini. They just pour it in a really small glass. A juice glass. Or, yeah. <laughs> or a national beer, which you find out by looking around. It's Sagres, not Superbach, but it's Sagres in a bottle. And that's it. Like, they only have like probably the mini Sagres mm -hmm. and the regular Sagres. <laughs> and that's it. Like, it doesn't even say Sagres on the menu. It's like, do you want a small beer or a national beer? That's uh, it. Yeah. So, yeah, they don't uh, – I think they really like those two. But, again, I'm not a wine drinker, and I feel like I should be a wine drinker because run into, like I said, a bunch of Canadians here, and they have, like, top-of-the-line Portuguese wines for, like, four euro. Like, yeah, there was one that a, a guy from Oshawa told – yeah. Yeah, I know. I didn't talk. We to are him. everywhere. I told him. Yeah, I told him about you. And then, <laughs> you know, but he was like, I'm telling you, it'll say that it's 239 because it's on sale from 799 to 239. And you won't buy it because you'll think it's way too cheap. But I'm telling you, it's amazing. And these Oshawa guys, they know what's up, man. Yeah, they did. They did. So, I mean, it's just the, the wine sections are so big in all the supermarkets and here, and there's just so many of them. And like none of them, none are more than 10. None. And most of them are in the three to six range. I feel like I need to be a wine drinker. It sounds like, man, if you're going to hang out over there for any length of time anyway. Um, 
I should remind the good listener, it's been a big week around here. If you've missed any of it, all of it at TalkinAudio.com or on your podcast feed. Kenzie Lalonde from TSN was here on uh, on Tuesday. Uh, Scotty Mack was back on the podcast on Wednesday. Talked to him about the roller coaster he went on there last weekend with the 49ers. Talked a little baseball with him. And our buddy Kevin Mickey uh, was here from Sportsnet to talk about, uh, he's got a new gig with PWHL Toronto on top of his Sportsnet duty, so that was fun to catch up with him. And of course, WWE to uh, to Netflix and um, and this weekend's yeah. Royal Rumble. So we teed up a bunch of things, but Lever, I'm going to leave the floor open to you, man. I, I don't know what you've been caught up on over there. We did see on, I guess it was Thursday, Steve Steos had a press conference, kind of a mid-year State of the Union for the Senators. Um yeah. You know what? You've already sort of voiced some opinions on this weekend's NFL action. What's uh, what's been on your mind? <laughs> well, I think the NFL here has been on my mind. You can't really get it, but I think it's more interesting when it comes to what a couple other people are, you know, kind of wanting to see. But uh, let's start with you know the senators and exploring all options. And I, I did hear want to get some sales. good pros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, it's always a good goal. J- when people say things like you can't have enough leadership and experience, like thanks tips. <laughs> like I, I, I know what, what you need. Like I, I, it's not the senators and I don't, I'm not saying this about Steos in particular. No, but it's, it's industry just, standard. It's just so generic. And yeah. so like, why did he you- actually said, tell me he – because I heard it, but I don't have the quotes in front of me. But I know that I heard him say, we need people who – or players, something like this, that can play 200-foot games. Yep. I'm like, are you flipping kidding me? Did you just like, go right through your uh, your NHL thesaurus, grab three or four on. of the top you know, like, cliches? And- oh, we're looking for guys that play 142 feet. <laughs> Um, we actually have guys that are playing 117 and that's why we're losing so much. Uh, yeah, I know you need people who play both ends of the ice and I know you need experience and from, and look, I'm not a crap on guys that have been here before and haven't performed or the management that brought them in, but how many guys have been in Ottawa the last five or six, seven years from when Guy Boucher brought in all of his Chris D. Domenico's and <laughs> like guys that that he had in Tampa before that were like, oh, this is the grit that you need, and then you just uh, they can't play. And then here comes DJ Pierdor, and then and here come Braden Colburn and Eric Goodbranson, and you know, and Tyranny was here, and like yep. stop it, <laughs> like stop, stop again, like. We all know what success looks like. The success looks like bringing along a young core that learns how to play. And then when they learn how to score and they learn how to do some great things offensively, they still need to learn how to win. And when that comes, when you learn to win, those guys have experienced the the Kachucks and the Stutzes and the Sandersons and those Shabbats. And those guys now have lost enough where they're starting to understand what it takes on a day-to-day basis to not just score goals, but to consistently win in the National Hockey League. And then, yes, you need to surround them with some other players that are guys that don't have egos and guys that have had experience and guys that have won and guys that understand their roles and play 200 feet and like all of these things. Um, Newsflash, like you you had that and Nick Paul and you traded it away for Matthew Joseph because you didn't want to pay another $200,000, but that's another, that's another regime entirely. Um, We understand everyone understands the, the philosophy of how you need to get there. And sure, you can go some different ways, but the general philosophy of how you create a winning team is not rocket science. And so to hear to hear them say it, I've heard um, Pierre Dorian and Guy Boucher say it. I've heard Pierre Dorian and the management staff and DJ Smith and 
Like I've heard them say it a bunch it's all of times. This talk. Yeah. And now, yeah. And now I've heard this group say it and that's great. It's what they should be saying, but you need to see it. And until you see it, it's just not like, I don't care what you say. And quite frankly, sense fans should not care what they're saying. They should care about what they're doing. And Leafs fans too. And I know surrounding, cause all the talk right of um, in the last few years, I just, you know, you got the core four and those guys, and it's just how was um, Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keith? How are they going to surround the core four? Or if you include Riley, right. how are they going to surround the guys to create that next level winning on Tampa's level, on Boston's level, on those type of levels? Like we know that you have to do it, but you are the ones that have to go out and do it and find the particular individuals necessary to mesh properly. And I'm not judging Steos or any of the rest of the Sens management group. I think it's their first real opportunity to go out and do this. But I don't care what they're saying right now. I care what they're going to do. Well, and what and, is and what's happening on the ice? Like, if we're being fair, they have played a bit better of late. Uh, some of that corresponds to getting, you know, for it's a pretty rare occasion. But we've been seeing Stutzla, Norris, and Pinto now all back in the lineup together. They lose one in overtime on Thursday to the Bruins. That, if we're being honest, they probably deserved a better fate. Um, Corpusalo for sure needs to stop the third one. Maybe needs to stop the second one. Uh, oh, but the, and haven't we heard? Haven't we yeah, heard this from but, the uh, Sens? The thing I wanted to us. point out here is, as sort of your your point about showing it is, I think parts of the game encapsulate what needs to happen for the rest of the season here. Because this week we saw Jacques Martin completely revamp the power plays, essentially having one line be one power play unit, another line be the other power play unit, and we're going to approach this differently. And they really yeah. only had the one practice with it. And the first two power plays the Sens got atrocious. Could not get into the zone, being pushed back at every time. The sen- or the, the fans are getting restless. I w- it wasn't like hardcore, over-the-top booing, but just these groans of like, get in the zone. And it was brutal. But they stuck with it. He didn't, all right, like throw it back to the way it had been. He stuck with it through the rest of the game. And they end up scoring two power play goals later in the game. One late in the second, one late in the third. And so... There's going to need to be this willingness to stick with it while it's ugly, right? And that, that that power play, as an example, just inside one game, is going to have to last through the rest of this season if Jacques Martin is going to get these guys to buy in, even if it's not going to be him long term, to the idea of playing a system, to the idea of committing to something. And it might take time, and that's the hardest part when you're trying to convince an athlete no, this is the right way. You have to keep doing it, even though it sucks right now and it's not working. It will work once we get it set up, everybody committed. I thought it was an interesting sort of encapsulation just in thirty night uh, Thursday night's game yeah. of what this is going to have to look like the rest of the way. And you bring up a good point where um, we talked about this on a previous show, you and I. I was really excited that the Sens are going to go through this because it's going to be ugly. And they're going to have to really change some things and buy in and do the things that you were talking about over a long period of time to see if things can be different. And under a new coach and under a new assistant and under all new management, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But at least now the possibility is there where the ceiling isn't this low ceiling that you're never going to get above. I think there's a belief that you can kind of get to the next level at some point if you do this properly and you have it's going to be ugly along the way that's okay that's actually what should be you have to do the pain part there's no getting around it like that has to happen first should have happened five years ago but it didn't and now it is happening and i'm sorry for sense fans that that sucks it sucks for everyone but it is what it is now and i think like I said, I, I actually have some belief that this can turn around and get better, mm-hmm. but it's going to have to get worse. They're going to have to go through these things, and they're going to have to learn that they can't just do what they want and can't wait to get my power play chances. And when you're Drake Batherson, you can show that you got you know 50 points and you had 24 points in the power play, and you were minus 118. Like, <laughs> uh, it, 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 you're going to have to not do that anymore. Yeah. 
it's going to have to be a little bit better. Um, the other thing I, I'm kind of interested to ask you about this, um, because it's it's one thing that I, I guess I'm torn on, it, and so I really do want to ask you. So I do understand, I guess, when players don't like their name being talked about. Yeah. Um, I, I understand if they keep hearing it and they keep hearing it and they go home, they're trying not to, to think about it or see it and they'll have family or friends or they'll go out in the community and, you know, you'll hear the talks or maybe you'll read a couple of things and like, it, I, I get that it can kind of get to you personally and it can bug you. And then if you tell someone it's bugging you, what you're doing is just being honest, which we want all players to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to hear how they're actually feeling, but if they tell you how they're actually feeling and they're saying it's bothering them, then you're like, dude, like you're making, you know, $5 million a year. Like, and I'm talking about Chikrin specifically. Here. Yep. Um, you, you got traded from the worst team in hockey, a first round pick and more was given up and you've come and you're still one of the worst teams in hockey. Do you not think your name is going to come up? Like, do you think that you're suddenly in the Kachuk Stutzla Sanderson level with the senators where it's. When well, teams- to be fair in that regard, right? I think he did say, I understand why my name would be out there given my contract and the team situation, but I don't want people thinking I'm the one asking out of here. And that report had sort of started to bubble up, which was, yeah, he's unhappy and like wants to be traded again. He's pumping the brakes hard on that saying, that's not me. I like it here. I'm happy here. I get the right. business, but it's, I don't want fans turning on me or my rep. I'll, I'll tell you right. the, the, the comparison that I drew on why he might have felt it was necessary to take a stand here. And that was Pierre-Luc Dubois, who was unhappy in Columbus, dogged it until he got traded. It was all supposed to be fine in in Winnipeg. When he got there, I believe, like I said, he had members, uh, a family member. I think his dad works in the Winnipeg Jets organization. It was all supposed to be great. And then he makes it clear, yeah, I'm not signing here either. Now, he didn't demand to be traded. We all kind of thought it might be Montreal. It turns out it's L.A. And now L.A. gets off to this great start. Now they're struggling. He's struggling. And there's there are people pointing fingers, right? A little schadenfreude. Like, you, this, you're this, you supposed to be happy here. You're supposed to carry the mail now. And I, if I'm Jake Chikrin, maybe I'm drawing a line that isn't there. But I don't want in any way for my reputation to become a guy that was unhappy in Arizona, got traded, unhappy here, demanding to be traded again. If they trade me, fine, but I'm not the one saying I want out of here. I I kind of feel like there's a little bit of, I better save my reputation before I become that guy kind of thing. Yeah, and I get that. But I think then the way that I, at least for me, I would approach it is saying, I know a bunch of stuff has been written. I just want to say how happy I am here and I love Ottawa and I love this team and I can't wait to be with this team for a long time. That's essentially what he did say, right? Uh, well, no you got family he, here. He said, I'm living near my on, sister, here, my grandfather. But, and Yeah. And, and here's another quote. Um, it's people shooting blind darts at a board and hoping they hit people have a right to say what they want, but to act like they have their sources is a joke and people like to get their clicks on social media if they have to use my name to do it, go ahead, but I'm not going to let it affect me. There's about two contradictions in just that one quote. Yeah, it is clearly affecting you, first of all. <laughs> For, yeah. So I'm not going to let it affect me? No, no. It is affecting you because you're talking like that. Yeah. And then second of all, people have a right to say what they want, but. Right. Which is it? Right. Like, do people have a right to say what they want? Or you're right. That that statement is a little over the top. If you were just wanting to put it out there, that's like, I'm good here. I'm happy here. I hope I get to stay here. I'd like to talk this summer right. about an extension and be done with it. You're right. He did go that, a little over the top. That's all you need to say. If you want to put an end to it, you just say, look, I had a different situation in Arizona. I, I, I learned a lot from it. And, and if we're being fair you know, to him, if you recall in Arizona, he didn't ask for the trade first. They started no, shopping him around and saying they yes. were going to do it. And then it took forever. And then he finally said, if we're doing this, let's do this already. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which he had every right to That's do. Right. And I think, 
I think you just say, look, I had a weird situation in Arizona. Um, I wish it went a little bit differently, but now I'm here and I love it here and I can't wait to win with this team. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just want everyone to know right now how much I love it here. End of quote. I want to take you, go ahead. Sorry. So, so yeah. So just to say that it's not affecting them and to say people have a right to say what they want, but, but then you're like, people have a right to say what they want, but blah, 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 blah. And I'm not going to let it affect me. Well, well, it clearly is. So you're making a whole bunch of money. It is affecting you. Do you not, if you don't understand that your team is still at the bottom of the standings and that you were the one that got traded for that makes a lot of money and a couple of very high picks were used to go and get you. Yeah. Understand that it's possible that your name might be out there just like everyone else's name that doesn't say Stutzlikachuk or Sanderson. Everyone's name will come up on a losing team because that's what professional sports is. If you're available and your team sucks, your name probably will come up and you need to handle it. And that's my only point. I want to take you back to two things that um, that Steos didn't wish to address in his press conference. Yeah. They are different, but they were both uh, him directing the reporters to go ask someone else about it. So let's start with the first one here. He he was asked whether there was any update whatsoever on uh, the, the talk of a new arena downtown. And mm-hmm. he said that's a question for Michael Landlauer. To me, that makes sense. He's the hockey guy running the hockey department. But uh, did you have any... Did, did you think he should have been more forthcoming there? Or was it fine to pass that question off? I don't think it's any of his business to talk for Michael Anlauer. I think this is a full Michael Anlauer needs to address the situation and needs to come across as the person in charge of what is going on. So I not only didn't have a problem with it, I actually don't think he should be speaking about it at all. I think Ottawa right now need somebody to step up with some leadership and that is the new owner of the hockey team to tell them what is going to happen at some point and be the point person to direct all of the conversation through them yeah that's what i think yeah steve steos is gearing up for the trade deadline he's not looking at real estate downtown yeah Uh, The second one, of course, was a far more consequence, far more uh, dire situation. That was that uh, earlier this week, we saw that the London police had ordered four members of or five members of the 2018 World Junior Team to surrender themselves. Uh, Mm -hmm. And at the time, we saw multiple players across the league requesting a leave of absent from their uh, their NHL teams. One of them was Alex Formanton. He was over in Switzerland. His team put out a, uh, a... a statement that he had been granted time to go home and deal with things in Canada. No one's talking about this. Um, no one is confirming that these are even the names yet. If we're being fair, we're all just speculating based on common sense, I guess would be uh, the best way you would drop it. But he's been sitting over in Europe because Pierre Dorian didn't want to re-sign him after his last RFA contract. A lot of questions about that, but also, again, a lot of speculation, fair or unfair, as to why he had been sitting over there. So... Uh, Steve Steos was asked, you know, any statement on, uh, on Alex Formanton, um, who is still technically the Sens own his rights in the, uh, in the NHL. Did they want to talk about it? Did they want to address it? He, uh, forwarded those questions to the league. And I think you're seeing a lot of that. Danny Briere did the same thing in Philadelphia, Craig Conroy in, uh, in Calgary. Um, these guys are all for, uh, saying, ask the league and the league is saying we can't talk about it yet were you surprised that maybe that's a stupid way of phrasing this that steos didn't want to wade into it did you think he owed a different answer what did your what did you think of the way he addressed it i think sometimes we don't realize the power of gary bettman and the national hockey league when they want a certain message controlled um they tell their employees or for lack of a better term people that are underneath them and those are the people that run the hockey teams Mm -hmm. um in their league uh this is we are going to talk about this or whatever subject it is um here is what you're going to do if you're asked and it better be like right down the line of exactly what we want 
and this is the directive that you have, period, and we'll talk to you later. Um, that's how Gary Bettman operates a lot behind the scenes, and I have absolutely no doubt that even if between Danny Breer, Craig Conroy, um, Steve Steos, or anybody else, even if they wanted to, they would not be allowed through the National Hockey League as the National Hockey League is going to um, be the the point person, like I said, with Hockey Canada, and they're going to deal with it the way they see fit, and they will tell their employees exactly how to deal with it. Um, it's going to be deeply, I, I, I deeply think- frustrating and unsatisfying for fans and for the public who want answers on these things. What did you know? When did you know? You know, why didn't you re-sign this guy? Like, were you aware that back then? All these sorts of things are totally fair questions, and it's going to be incredibly yep. frustrating for fans to be stonewalled here a little longer, right? People have waited a long time just to get this far to see that there are guys that are going to be well, summoned and, and charged. And so it's going to be tough, but this is going to be the way it goes. This is what we're going to see. Yeah. And I, it's, I guess it sucks if a fan is feeling that way. Um, as you said, if it looks like a duck and it sounds like a duck and mm-hmm. talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Um, everyone's entitled to their day in court first and all these things no, for but, sure. Yeah. But, um, to, to say that there's not at least some coincidence from guys leaving their yeah. European based teams to go and handle business back at the same time that this announcement has come out. Yeah. Um, I think you'd be a fool to think that those things are not connected. Now right. it is, it is up to people to try to get the information to properly connect those dots, but those dots are pretty close together. Uh, so, yeah, I, yeah, if that's frustrating for fans, I think I think it's quite clear that some real bad things happened. And I don't know who's involved exactly, and I hope everyone does get their day in court. But I also hope for a lot of the victims that they get to the bottom of this. And it's taken a long time to yep. get to the bottom of this. Yep. And I don't care if it's Alex Formington, the Sens, or anybody else. Like It might be, it might not be. But I just hope after this incredibly long investigation from London police and Hockey Canada and everyone, that they just get it right yeah. for the people who actually had to go through this years ago. Like It is 2024, and this... We're talking about like early 2018, right? Yeah. Like 2017 even. No, no, it wasn't during the tournament, right? It was at that golf tournament. Uh, it later. was at the golf tournament. Yeah, June, July yeah. 2018. Yeah. Okay, so. but we're still talking oh, yeah. about like like five years. Yeah. Five and a half five and a half years. Halifax about- announced this week they're still they haven't dropped their case. They're looking into the allegations from that oh two oh three team. But uh, but just if if you're frustrated as a fan of your oh, hockey yeah. team just try and put yourself for one second in the victim's shoes, the family's victim's shoes, and it's been five and a half years. Yeah. Um, like, those are the people that we should be concerned about and not be concerned about the fact of somebody playing in Europe who had to stop playing and the right. fact that they're even allowed to play and now they've had to come back over to handle business. Well, I hope the business gets handled for those people, because they've been living with it, if they didn't do it and they, they're not involved in this, yep. then they've been living with this for five and a half years, and then I'll feel sorry for them. But I don't know that yet. Right. And I don't know that they're guilty. I don't know that they're innocent. Um, but I am concerned about the fact that the victims and the victims' families yeah, have, have had no justice, them. right? Have had, I've had no justice for five and a half years, yeah. and I hope it ends soon. And yeah. that's that's really, if you're frustrated about it as a fan, I. I I can at least understand where you're coming from, but I don't necessarily agree that that should be your first thought anyway. So one last thing in this area, and that would be you talked a minute or two ago about Gary and the NHL controlling the message, right? And how powerful they are. And within a few minutes of the London police announcement being made public by the Globe and Mail, we see a an ownership group, the people who own the Utah Jazz in the NBA, put out a public statement asking the NHL to consider them for an expansion franchise. 
Within a half an hour of that dropping, the NHL already has a press release locked, loaded, ready to go in response about whether they'll consider it. We've seen over the years that Gary tells teams who want an expansion franchise, he tells those groups, those owners, to shut up. Do it his way, work through the process, and keep things quiet. This was the complete opposite of that, and the NHL um, was ready to respond literally as soon as it happened. So I'm not saying 100% that this was a league thing to at least split the attention of the hockey fan that week, but I am absolutely willing to consider that that's what we just witnessed, was an attempt to steer the conversation, at least some of it, somewhere else. Am I being too cynical, or is that what we just looked at? What you're doing is finally getting your head straight away from your ass Hmm. and getting it Hmm. looked at the proper direction of how life goes in the National Hmm. Hockey League. Thank you, Matt, for coming around and finally understanding. Are you suggesting I haven't been cynical enough in the past? (laughs) I'm suggesting that Sometimes your cynicism, people have said this about me and they're just so wrong. (laughs) My my cynicism is misdirected. No, my cynicism is there for where it needs to be directed to the points that actually matter that people aren't talking about. Right. You are now being cynical about something that I I would go more than consider. (laughs) I would, I would, without knowing. Yeah. I think you make a hell of a point that the National Hockey League are the best at doing things like this that you don't know about or don't realize that they're doing. And here's the big part of it. It's the second part, right? Because do I know that the owners of the Utah Jazz are following the London police investigation into Hockey Canada? I have no idea, right? So if they just happen to drop their public statement... I go, ah, whatever, but I would expect it to be followed by either silence or a statement from Gary Bettman that says the NHL does not publicly comment on expansion processes or something like that. Instead of like leaning in, yeah, it looks like a gray market, like this is something we'll have to discuss and all that. That tells me right away they knew this was coming. They wanted the attention. They wanted the second wave of story, right? Not just the Utah ownership story, the NHL. Not like, can we stop Sports Center tonight from being f- fifty minutes of Hockey Canada and get it down to a manageable thirty-five? Like, can we have something else on the radar today? I don't think they were stupid enough to think they could make it go away, but could they divide the attention? Could they split it a little bit? And I think they gave it a hell of a shot and failed miserably because they're not even they're not um, subtle enough. Right? Like, it was way too obvious. Everyone just looked at that and went, you fuckers. Right? Like, yeah. you're it's not good at time, this. It's every, well, they are good at it. They just, they try sometimes to do it and force it into spots. It's like, you know, in the, in the business, and you'll understand this, and a lot of people that work in media will get this. When you get press releases at, 5.58 p.m. on a Friday. <laughs> the news um, If you don't think that that's on purpose, you are mind-blowingly <laughs> stupid. Uh, people do this all the time. Some of, some of it works. Some of it doesn't. But when you say that the National Hockey League was aware of it, oh, I... I go further they may have told them this is when we need you to drop this this. is this is what you're going to do and then we're going to respond like this because the biggest point that you made that you're right they don't respond like that unless they're unless it's their message that they're starting they don't respond like they respond the opposite way they never want people and you only have to look to the ottawa situation right Mm -hmm. uh ryan reynolds ryan reynolds ryan reynolds ryan reynolds (laughs) well who is it the 10% owner of the Montreal Canadiens who had sat in at the board of governors meetings that knew the way everything worked in the national hockey league. And a guy that Gary and bill and everyone else in the league trusts in Michael Anlauer. everyone talked about Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds. And you know, we all got caught up and yep. I'm not saying like, Oh, I knew Michael Anlauer was going to be the, right. but to, to think that Michael Anlauer wasn't one of the very top favorites 
because he was already in the club. They like the that known high profile quantity. name. Yeah. Well, well they you, like the known. But you're right. Like the known quantity. But while the process doing. is playing out, let Ryan Reynolds be tied to the NHL in the news. Let people talk about that. Right. It's good oh, for the league. Right. Hundred yeah. yeah. percent. Yeah. But they want people in their club that they know and trust and respect. Yep. And if if we need a message. It's like, we're going to tell you, Utah, Jeff, you're going to do this. Right. And if you do this, okay, like down the line, we'll, we'll, yep. we'll help you out a little you're bit. You're part of the club. <laughs> you're part of the club. You're like, and we do things for each other in the club. Yep. yep. And that's, that's, as you said, it, it didn't necessarily work, but it's just because right now Edmonton's just doing everything that's working and nothing else is working for anybody other than the Oilers, <laughs> right? The Edmonton Oilers haven't lost a game in about five weeks, which is pretty uh, pretty nuts. Um, let's let's get to the NFL playoffs. I don't know if you have anything. Yeah. It, it, it is Lions and, and Niners. Uh, it is Ravens and Chiefs. Um, if it wasn't for the time zones, like would you have a bigger interest in one of those? I, I get you're not staying up till yeah. three in the morning. Like, is one of these more interesting to you than the other? Or? Um, yeah, it is, and it's the Baltimore Kansas City game because. It's time for the Baltimore Ravens to take the mantle of the best team in the NFL with the best player in the NFL. And right now, do you believe in the Baltimore Ravens? Like, I'll ask you, do you believe in that? As you know, I'm a more casual football fan, but no, when I look at that matchup, I go, the Chiefs probably going to find a way to get this done because they always do. Right. The other team hasn't found a way yet. Right. And the Baltimore Ravens are a better football team yep. than the Kansas City Chiefs. But they like a lot of teams. And this this isn't, you know, crapping on the Lions like I did. Like, they're nowhere close. And they're, they're not winning this weekend. <laughs> I, and, and just so you know, I actually true, if you ask me in my heart, what I think would be the, the best thing and the coolest thing and the most intriguing matchup, it would be Baltimore and Detroit. In the Super Bowl, like It'd certainly be new. I, I think it would be awesome for the league and awesome for the cities and awesome for all those people. It's not happening, but um, this is the the intrigue. There is there's so many teams um, in all sports that have an ability to get to a certain level that just don't find a way to reach the elite level and win the the one game that they need to win to to prove to themselves that they can do it. And if Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens can defeat the Kansas City Chiefs and make it to the Super Bowl and go into the Super Bowl, and probably to me San Francisco is the team that they will face, yeah. to go into that and have a chance and believe that they can win, um, I think that needs to happen. Because we're getting dangerously close to the Baltimore Ravens being the Buffalo Bills or the Dallas Cowboys or a bunch of teams that, you know, really talented, super good, can always kind of get to the level that you think. And then they'll always find a way to not be where they should be. Well, when you when you're teeing this up, like it reminds me because everything is about the Leafs of that first go around Leafs lightning where the lightning maybe aren't quite what they once were. And, I, and the, the, the comparison breaks down a little because I'm not convinced the Leafs were significantly better than the Lightning. But the Leafs are the team who could never get over the hump. Like a big star, like got, like got players, this is the time to do it. The Lightning got all that experience. They just find a way, they know how to get it done. And even if they're not quite what they were that those two years they won the Cup, they're still pretty good. They're still good enough to get it done. And, and that's sort of what this matchup reminds me of a little bit. Yeah, so this is Baltimore trying to take their place as the either the best team in the AFC or maybe the best team in football. Yeah. But they but they got to beat Kansas City this weekend to do it. Right. And um there's almost no other team that they should be facing to be able to prove that they can do it because this is the Kansas City team that just keeps they are the team that wins all of the games that they need to win regardless of whether their regular season is, you know, 16 and one or whether it's, you know, a lot less than that, they're still going to be the toughest yep. or it, this incredibly tough outcome playoff time. They're so seasoned. They're so veteran. They know what to do. And 
you got to beat that team if you want to get to where you you want to go. And so that to me is a very intriguing matchup. I know I was being a little hard on who are you betting on. Can- who am I betting on? Yeah, if you're putting money on I'm, that game, they can't. I'm, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> um, until teams prove it, stop hoping that they can prove it. Yeah, have them show you that they can prove it yep. first. Bet with your head, not um, with your heart. And so I I'm, would bet on the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I don't. I want the Baltimore Ravens to win. Yeah, but I I just I can't do it. Um, <laughs> I just can't bring myself to do it uh, because. Of what I just said. The other matchup, um, I think, is probably closer than I gave it credit for in the beginning. I think San Francisco, as you said, they it wasn't the easiest. Um, had a scare put into them. Yeah, that was not the easiest game against Green Bay for sure. But it feels to me like they, okay, they sat out a week. You know, ah, it's Green Bay, it's sure. Jordan, whatever. Yeah. It's, uh, they beat the Cowboys, but they're really not that good. And we're we're the San Francisco 49 Oh, boy, we're in a matchup. Oh, <laughs> and then they got past it. It just feels like, okay, they're going to they're gonna be on all cylinders um, coming up this weekend. And I just don't know that, you know, you put Jared Goff behind in football games. And I, I actually saw some of the Detroit-Tampa uh, game um, – uh, here in in Portugal, and it was very clear watching some of that game or in the first half that even though Tampa scored at the end and made it ten ten, you're watching that game and going, Detroit is so much better. Like they are, they're, they're getting eight yards a carry, they're getting eleven yards a pass. Tampa has no way to stop this team unless Detroit actually stops themselves. And they just went into the second half. They didn't hurt themselves, and they won, you know, um, fairly easily because they're just much better. But I don't I don't look at Jared Goff and go, okay, that guy's down 14 in the second half against San Francisco. Right. Oh, yeah, they could, they could come back. Like if Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson are down 14 in the second half, you can go, yeah, that team, it, it's possible sure. yep. they can come back. Jared Goff? He is not doing that. So even if the Lions are up 14 in the second half, I still would believe that Brock Purdy and the 49ers can come back. The one team I don't feel like can get down in that game at all is Detroit and and literally have this belief that we can come back and beat this team. Um, and I just yeah, don't they think have their spirit it, broken early. Like, Yeah, I don't think it's possible. So I do – I'm hoping to see um, – Hoping to see Baltimore in the Super Bowl, uh, but it's really hard to go against San Francisco and Kansas City. I don't want it, but don't tell Scott MacArthur, okay? <laughs> just don't do it. I don't, they're just really good. They're really, really fundamentally good, um, and they don't hurt themselves a ton. They're, they're, they're just really, really good. So um, I think San Francisco and Kansas City will be in the Super Bowl from my head. My heart actually wants the complete opposite. Yeah, um, but but it'll be interesting, and we'll see. Uh, it's a fun championship weekend for sure. I'm not sure where we'll find Lee next week. I guess you'll be in the same spot, maybe a little more tanned or uh, or whatever. We'll, well, we'll. I can tell you that um, I am going to be in the same spot. Okay. Uh, for the next, at least the next ten days. There you so, go. yeah. Uh, as much storytelling, I'll find another, you know, few things. Oh, I do want to say this before the end too. I'm actually meeting up with, um, and for those who go to the Canadian Tire Center all the time, you'll know the name of Gene. Uh, Gene is a security guard that has been uh, part of the security team at the CTC for ever and ever and ever. Like, just does such a great job. But he always comes over here for a couple of months. And I was in touch with them, getting some ideas. I'm actually going out for coffee with them tomorrow. Oh, nice. Uh, and uh, setting up a golf game for for later on here um, in, in the time that I'm here. So uh, Gene's looking forward to that as well. So um, don't call me tomorrow. I mean, it'll be 6 a.m. your time. but Yeah, then I won't. 11 a.m. here. Yeah. Uh, Gene, Gene and I will be getting together at his course to have a have a coffee and catch up and 
maybe set up a golf game for in the future. And, and Gene uh, is one of the best guys around. So love that. Love that guy and can't wait to see him tomorrow. Lever Sage heads all the way to Europe just to hang out with Oshawa and Ottawa Buttes. So uh, that's how we'll, we'll wrap this one up. There's an, uh, there's an Oshawa Butte sitting here waiting, exciting for, excited for you to get home, man. We'll get you these for Sage sessions back in studio. Nice. All right. Uh, that's where we'll wrap this one up. For Lever Sage, my name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you all have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go if this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow i'd be in heaven still doing this show see you some other time